In a vaguely dystopian world, leather-clad cops in ugly cars clash with a community theater motorcycle gang. Fed up with the violence, Max goes on a camping trip with his wife and child, who the bikers attack. This makes Max mad. He goes on a rampage. Femininity in the post-apocalypse. What's up, my wily wenches of the wasteland? You're listening to the very first episode of Femininity in the Post-Apocalypse, a feminist exploration of dystopian media. I'm your host, Claire Lockhart. I'm an artist who specializes in traditional oil painting and fiber art, but I was raised by Tom Servo and Crow T. Robot, so I think everyone loves it when I joke around during movies. My wonderful guest and I are going to discuss Mad Max from 1979. We'll rate the film, and afterwards I'll announce the recipient of the Honorary Doctor of Dystopian Studies degree from the unaccredited College of Clare. Thanks for joining us. My guest is artist Aaron C. Packard, whose expertise is in corporate industrial lifestyle photography, but you may recognize him from when he used to go scuba diving in the desert at Burning Man. His photography is amazing, and you can see his portfolio at AaronPackard.com, spelled A-A-R-O-N-P-A-C-K-A-R-D.com. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Why, thank you, Claire. How are you doing? I am cold. How about you? (laughs) Yes, trying to stay warm in my studio here. In South Dakota. South Dakota. The most southern of the Dakotas. Yes, yes. Although, (laughs) yes, we reached a high of nine below, ten below, something like that today, I think. Yeah, great. Yeah. For those of you not in the area, we've been experiencing a few blizzards, and the wind chill is about 50 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. Yay! yay. And (laughs) that's also probably a good time to notice or to notify everybody that if they hear some Mad Max rumblings in the background, it's probably just a snowplow going by. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> now, I am sure that our audience right now only consists of my friends, and I would like to thank all both of you for listening. However, I should probably reveal to anyone else joining us that Aaron is my favorite person on the planet. Oh. But my opinion is biased because we're married. Yeah, I said you're my favorite person. <laughs> Fantastic and wonderful. Well, I adore you. And not just because you are incredibly smart, charming, and handsome, but you are a phenomenal artist. And one of the really exciting aspects about being married to a wonderful photographer a professional artist is that we get exhibit our artwork together sometimes. Mm, Yes. And, you know, I have to say, (laughs) you know, ditto on pretty much everything that you just said, uh, well, except for photographer part, you're just the amazing painter. That's fantastic. Uh, And wonderful artists in many other realms as well. Uh, But (laughs) one of the fun things we get to do is exhibit our artwork together. And one Mm -hmm. of the shows we did, in 2022, I believe, was the first Thunder Domesticity exhibition. Mm. And that first show was called Thunder Domesticity, Femininity in the Post-Apocalypse. 
Yes. So everyone who's listening to this very first episode now knows the origin story of the title of the show because it was mm. too good to only use once. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and that was a really fun art exhibition where we got to show our post-apocalyptic dystopian artwork with some other amazing artists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, hopefully we get to do more of that in the future. In the future. <laughs> But Aaron, I truly appreciate you for joining me for this inaugural episode of Femininity in the Post-Apocalypse. Why, thank you. <laughs> I can't do the very good in a world <laughs> voice, but I'm trying. In a world, in a world. Say femininity in the post-apocalypse for me. Femininity please. in the post-apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> now, we're going to explore Mad Max, but before we dive into the plot and discuss the film... Tell us about the first time you tried to go see Mad Max. <laughs> so uh, let's see. When Mad Max came out of the theaters, I would have been like eight. Or actually, probably when I came here, I was probably more like nine. Um, and, you know, being, you know, one of those, you know, somewhat feral kids of the 70s and 80s, <laughs> um, you know, I was, I was probably allowed to go see a lot of movies that most kids these days would not be allowed anywhere near mm -hmm. um so uh I, I my plan was to actually see it in the theater when yeah. it came out and uh um and actually you know i usually could convince my mom to go to pretty much anything uh, but it happened she was out of town that weekend did you have to have and, like a permission slip to yeah go? yeah you had to, you had to have a permission slip and actually uh i think it was this incident actually um caused a discussion to happen between uh my mother and the theater owner who was uh -huh. friends of the family um that i actually had a standing <laughs> written permission to go see anything i wanted to <laughs> okay so i distracted you you were trying to go see mad max when you were yes. a little lad yes yes and but you know so like i say my mom was out of town so you know my parents who were not not together um uh, my father was somewhat looking after me i guess that weekend <laughs> however that worked when you're uh, a feral child feral child right um uh but there was you know miscommunication and uh I, I couldn't get the permission slip that I wanted to go see the movie. So it caused some some strife for a little while. I was a little upset about that. But, uh, uh, you know, things moved on. <laughs> and you eventually, of course, did get to see Mad Max. Otherwise, oh, we yes. wouldn't be able to discuss yes. it today. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I think I saw it in on cable. Okay. Um, but I did see the sequel when that mm -hmm. came out in the theater. And actually, I went to go see that with my father. And a few of his friends <laughs> so he were, made it up to you yes 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 because they were all uh art professors mm. so they had this 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 little society that they called the bluffers society because they all lived on the bluff outside of town i know real original and uh <laughs> but but you know they would uh basically this these couple of guys would get together and they would uh go to a diner have really mm -hmm. greasy food and pie and go see the worst movie that was out at that time okay so they went to go see the sequel because they thought it was going to be the worst movie yes yes and, right. and i got i got to tag along that time so oh that's excellent <laughs> Now, I really do not remember when I first saw the first Mad Max movie, but I know that the first movie in this franchise I saw was Fury Road. Uh. And 
the reason I wanted to go see that was because there was a classmate of mine in graduate school who gave a presentation about Fury Road. <laughs> Gee, I wonder who that would have been. <laughs> well, it's you. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Oh, my goodness. And so that's why I got interested into the Mad Max franchise. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, because it was. It, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Do you have a finish? Oh, I, I was just going to to say about that little presentation, and it was, it was very um, inspiring and and interesting for me um, to see how George Miller um, really uh, presented a more uh, positive feminist idea within Fury Road, as opposed to probably the more masculine um, directions that had been placed on the previous movies. Mm -hmm. Now to help refresh our memories of what happened in this film, yes, I'm going to summarize yes. the entire plot. Mm. I want to mention for anyone listening who isn't in the mood for violence and assault, that this movie includes a lot of violence and assault. Yes, but, quite a bit. But I'm not going <laughs> to describe anything in graphic detail because that's not fun for me either. After I share the synopsis, we'll have a snarky discussion about the film. And finally, we'll rate it using our brand new state-of-the-art Maynad-O-Meter. Ooh, yeah, the Maynad-O-Meter. And, it, and, you know, I, I suspect that we, since this movie came out in 79, we really shouldn't be worried about spoilers for anybody i mean <laughs> really if, if you haven't seen it by now you know uh okay yeah great <laughs> <laughs> as i share this plot including the ending aaron mm -hmm. please feel free to interject as i recount it because as you know more than anyone else i'm famous for wandering away while a movie is playing to find snacks or refill our drinks <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of drinks, do you remember what beverage got us through the film when we watched it last? I, I believe we were drinking old fashions. Yes, yes, you made us old fashioned. So thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Now to the film. In the slightly dystopian and distant future of the early 1980s, Leather-clad cops take a break from using their rifle scopes to spy on nude people so they can bicker over who gets to drive their ugly cars. <laughs> yeah, very ugly cars. Would you mind describing what those cars look they, like for uh, us? Well, they were kind of like some some strange compacted version of a Mustang that were painted yellow and blue and awful hubcaps. The hubcaps were yellow too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think so. It was just, <laughs> just awful. The police drive their heinous cars to chase a couple to their death. Oh yeah. That's the, the demise of the Knight Rider. The Knight Rider. Was that the guy yes. who was driving the car? Yes. Yes. He had escaped from, some jail, I guess, and what uh, had stolen a black police car. Ah, uh, see, I had totally missed that he was driving a police car. I just thought that they were, you know, doing a precedent for the Blues Brothers movie. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, there is a little bit of that. But then if you, it, 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 they do have like some uh, interaction with the the police and the night rider guy over the cb radios mm. see i just thought he was narrating for himself because he was a wild and crazy guy i think that was most of it yes mm. but max who isn't mm -hmm. mad yet 
is a police officer with a fancy car. The hey, he gets a fancier one later. Okay, I'll get to that. The police are all men, like most of the population in this universe, and they wear little matching pleather outfits. Later, Max is... <laughs> Max. Sorry, sorry. Yes, the pleather outfits are, are <laughs> comical. They're cute. Yes, they're cute. They're adorable. Later, Max's wife plays a saxophone and then washes Max's hair. Mad Maximum has a child, Mad Minimum. <laughs> After he changes into his weird leather pants, Max prepares breakfast as his baby plays with a gun. Yes, yes, that's a very interesting uh, little scene that uh, they the they just cut in for a second where the kid is like chewing on an actual gun. Yeah, where was this movie made, South Dakota? Uh, yeah, you wonder. <laughs> <laughs> Max then heads to work and eats an apple with a shirtless man. They check on a car. This is the fancier car, right? Right, right. This is the fancier car. And a pair of men hiding in a bathroom listen in on the conversation. Yes, because apparently they uh, uh, Max was going to uh, try to leave or, or quit the, mm -hmm. the force. So they got this fancier car to bait him into staying, I guess. That's that's what I get from the story anyways. Goodness, I've never had a job where someone bribed me with a car to stay. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, a motorcycle gang composed of community theater enthusiasts terrorized the townsfolk. And your yes. experiences, Aaron, what's more menacing, motorcycle gangs or community theater gangs? Uh, community theater gangs, uh, definitely. But definitely, I mean, if you're watching <laughs> this movie, you see a crossover, I think, from the community theater gang into the motorcycle gang. Yeah, they didn't have time to wash off their stage makeup before they started <laughs> terrorizing the townspeople. They dance around, steal some stuffed animals, and intimidate the lone railroad employee. Their leader is a guy missing an eyebrow, and his name is Toe Cutter. <laughs> yes, Toe Cutter. I wonder <laughs> Does... where the name comes from. You never get a backstory on that. <laughs> Does he have a toe that got cut off? Does he use his toes to cut other people? I don't know. And, <laughs> <laughs> and is Toe Cutter in this franchise in morton joe's grandpa oh it could be but he's it is also the the only actor who is in the fury in the the fury road movie mm. uh so it's he's the only one who yeah came back or or that they bought it they wanted to have come back or something to do it. okay well because he has that long experience in community theater. He's a professional. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this group is all upset because one of their moto bros died. That was the one at the beginning, right? Right. Yeah. The Knight Rider. The Knight Rider. Okay. I'm glad you said his name because I thought it was Nightcrawler. I was not paying attention. I was eating <laughs> snacks. But to process their grief, they park their motorcycles in unison and rev their engines to intimidate the locals. The gang then decides to sexually assault a man, which causes a hetero couple to flee the town in their vintagey car painted with fl with flames. Mm -hmm. The bikers attack the car and trash it, and they assault both the man and the woman. I, I yep. have nothing to offer here other than some nervous laughter. Not because it's yeah, funny. Yeah, 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 yeah that's it. Uh, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yep. Anyway. Yep. The police come across the scene afterwards. They yell at the man and call him names as he flees. 
The, yes, he's running across a field. Great police work. Um, the mm -hmm. cops find the woman chained up and they pull on her leash as she tries to get away from them. Yeah, Max, yeah, that's great. Uh huh. Max's buddy first introduces himself as Jim Goose and then he stops pulling on the chain and carries that woman away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and they they come across one of the gang members at that point who yes uh, what was probably I guess too drunk and stoned to get away I don't know but the motorcycle yeah. club left behind a guy that was Night Rider no not Night Night Crawler no oh he, he was screaming Night Rider yes 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 oh, okay and. Sorry, I was thinking about biker names. Aaron, if you were in a motorcycle club, what would your biker name be? Uh, Bikey McBikerface? Okay. Probably something like that. I don't know. I, I have no idea. Bikey McBikerface. I like that. That's a, that's a good name. Yes. Now, the police dress up the left behind guy in a suit and chain him up. And then there was a trial, probably. There were many men in suits yelling, but something went wrong. Uh, yes, I believe none of the witnesses or anybody showed up at the trial. So there was a no contest situation. And basically they couldn't convict or charge him with anything if nobody was there to press charges. So, Okay. After so the... Oh, I was just going to say, so then the police get pretty, pretty upset. That Cheesed that off. Yeah. Would you say some of them got mad yes mad would be <laughs> a good term well after the biker is released his brethren celebrate by stripping licking and shooting a feminine mannequin wow those guys know how to party mm -hmm. toe cutter threatens the besuited biker and suddenly the scene cuts to some thin lady crooning in a bar decorated completely in styrofoam yes it is a exceptionally 70s disco australian motif i would have to say yeah <laughs> anyway the theatrical bikers then cause madison maximilian's friend to crash his motorcycle but his friend shakes off the accident and loads up his bike in someone's truck the hooligans cause him to crash this new vehicle too and then they set him on fire mm -hmm. and that is the goose the is, goose is is that uh, police officer's name officer goose officer goose the original title of this movie was Silly Goose. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it didn't pass the draft, so they changed it to Mad Max instead. Yes, yes. Although if, if you <laughs> see the original poster of mm -hmm. Mad Max, um the 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 cop figure on the poster is really wearing Goose's costume as opposed to Mad Max's costume. Yeah. Silly yeah. Goose. Silly Goose. <laughs> In this wasteland civilization, there's great dental care because everyone's teeth look pretty nice, but the re regular medical care is lacking because Max is able to not only visit his severe burn victim friend in the hospital while he's wearing his dirty, sweaty leather getup, but he messes with the sheets and touches the patient with unwashed hands. Maxwell, mm -hmm. who is now officially mad very mad he threatens to quit his lifelong career as a police officer at the ripe old age of 23. Mm -hmm. his shirtless boss fifi who, fifi fifi who, 
Fifi, who also <laughs> loves leather, mm -hmm. convinces Max to go on a vacation instead of quitting. Oh my gosh, I wish I had a job where someone gave me a car, told me to go on vacation. I know. When I was only 23. I know, that's just amazing. <laughs> I don't know how you get vacation time with a job. I've never had a job that had vacation time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But I also have never had a shirtless boss in pleather pants. So maybe right. I was in the wrong field. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He wore some jaunty scarves as well. Ooh, jaunty scarves are great. Yes. So Max packs up his van and takes his wife and kid camping. At one point... Max has to deal with the tire repair, so Madeline Maxine drives the baby to go get ice cream. Toe mm -hmm. cutter. Yeah, and they run into the toe cutter. Yes. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, toe, bum, bum. Toe cutter and the rest of the motorcycle gang find them and lick their ice creams, which causes Mad Mrs. Mad Max to smack him with the cone and drive away quickly. One of the bikers tries to lasso the car with a chain, but cars tend to be stronger than human flesh, and so his hand is ripped off his arm. Yeah, not the not the smartest idea, but you know. Well, what do you what can you say? <laughs> <laughs> and later on, their dog discovers the severed hand because he's, or the dog is treating itself to a finger sandwich. Uh, yes, well, you know, so then we know that it was all just entirely a plot device and had nothing to do with the the knowledge of physics of cars and how much more powerful they are than bones <laughs> i guess <laughs> the family then retreats to a farm but the villains track them down and murder the dog and scare the pants off the wife i i know this is a low budget movie but this woman never has pants on how much did pants cost back in 1979 i, I, I don't know i don't know she she had a nice pair of uggs at some point that showed up even though she had been wearing sandals the whole time. Oh, and, and that she one, suddenly was in boots. It was cut so, to tall furry boots, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So apparently, I mean, you know, the story goes is that they they uh, framed the shot wrong or something. Oh, you know? she but thought anyways. they were only going to film her from the waist up, right? Yes, and yes. She was wearing warmer boots. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why they just didn't let her wear her boots. It's apocalyptic. I know. You need pleather when you can't afford leather boots and a bunch of belts right yes yes and as this... that pretty much has it <laughs> <laughs> so the antagonists abduct the baby but the kindly grandma who owns the farm threatens them with a gun so mrs mad max can regain mad minnie and escape in the car mm -hmm. but alas something is wrong with the vehicle and so the mom runs down the freshly paved highway with the baby right down the middle of the highway you know right down the middle doesn't doesn't, hide, doesn't try to get doesn't... away and yeah yeah anyways <laughs> <sighs> the granny tries to hold them off with a gun but to no avail because the motorcyclers run over the wife and child the baby dies and the wife is transported to a hospital and is possibly still alive question mark i guess so i get they they say that she's stable and surviving but uh mm. yeah yeah that doesn't seem to matter yeah but remember max freaked out because his friend was in the hospital for a cover for his burn wounds mm -hmm. and he's like that's not him so i guess if his wife isn't mint in box he doesn't want to be married to her either right, so she right, might right. be dead nice right. guy. And, the, and and their child is dead as well so that yeah. would cause some some 
Madness, I would suspect. Yes, this inspires Madden Maxwell to go on a rampage. Mm-hmm. He's beyond mad, but yes. would you say he's beyond Thunderdome? Sorry, Sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Anyway, ignore that joke, strike that from the record. Max dons his cop pleather and hops in his fancy car. First, he threatens the mechanic that was helping him with the tire. Then he starts mowing down bikers. I'm mm -hmm. really curious how anyone survived the making of this movie. I know, I know. Apparently there was only a couple of minor injuries in the entire making of the film. So you're saying um, only the children were injured? Probably, probably. Well, the minor injuries, I'm, I'm sorry. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I have to explain the joke, that's how you know it's funny. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, apparently, uh, like, uh, American stunt people, mm -hmm. um, we're, we're sure that somebody had died in one of the motorcycle crashes wow. that they show, but apparently there was just some minor scrapes. So Now, the protagonist is immediately shot in the knee, and then one of the bad guy bikers drives over his hand. Heroic fanfare swells in the background as Maddox Maximo regains his strength and starts slaughtering his foes. Then, dramatic royalty-free music plays as he kills everyone else <laughs> yes With he he chases down toe cutter and makes him go headfirst into a semi and he feeds and him his own toes yeah basically and then he runs <laughs> other guys off a bridge and then yeah and then you know he keeps going with the magic of sped up footage, he tracks down the surviving biker guy and handcuffs him to a crashed vehicle, gives him a hacksaw, tells him it would be quicker to cut off his own limb rather than cut through the cuffs. And then Max sets the vehicle on fire so it explodes. Max drives off toward a one point perspective finale as a French horn serenades us all. Yeah, I, I you know, you gotta wonder about the uh trying to hack through an ankle you know your own ankle for that matter yeah i don't think um, i would have been able to do that faster than yeah through a yeah. chain I, I i don't think he really expected any of that to happen for some reason yeah i think he just expected the guy to blow up so well he's gone mad so yes <laughs> <laughs> that's what the apocalypse will do to you right yes yes but Speaking of living in a generic dystopian civilization where resources are scarce and everyone is dependent on vehicles, now would be a perfect time for an ad break because gas prices are wild and we have to figure out how to be able to afford to drive to work. Yes, we do. <laughs> Feeling inspired to make something post-apocalyptic? Head over to patreon.com slash Claire Lockhart to check out free costuming resources through the unaccredited College of Claire. Visit patreon.com slash K-L-A-I-R-E-L-O-C-K-H-E-A-R-T. Welcome back. Since this is a brand new program, I feel compelled to explain the purpose of the femininity in the post-apocalypse podcast. In visual art, books, and movies, women and people of other marginalized genders are often missing or mistreated, especially in dystopian-themed stories. Overall, I enjoy post-apocalyptic media, but I am irritated by the lack of inclusion and diversity. 
while I know there are greater injustices in the world happening right now, I feel like if I can't even be seen as a person in art and entertainment, how on earth can I possibly expect my neighbors and government officials to treat me as a human? I understand many people think it's unfair to judge movies from the past with contemporary eyes, but this movie still exists. I'm alive now, and this is how I experience the world. There's nothing wrong with talking about how we feel when watching movies and how they impact us. Our experiences can be different, and that's okay too. My intent isn't to scrutinize every aspect of this movie or provide detailed historical context. I don't even want to get into the biographical information about the people who made this movie or who were in it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Instead, my goal is to talk about the things we enjoy, the things we find problematic, and how post-apocalyptic media like Mad Max influences us and our work. After our discussion, we'll conclude by rating the movie on our innovative scale, the Maynado-meter. Mmm, the Maynado-meter. Maynado-meter. Anyways, no, we can't go on with that. <laughs> Do we need to add a new theme song? Uh, maybe. So the first thing I want to address is the population in the original Mad Max universe. Mm -hmm. Some cataclysmic event must have happened before we joined Max and his descent into madness that wiped out almost all the women, people of color, children, and elderly people. Aaron, what do you think happened? Well, I, you know, with this one, you don't have a, a, a huge sense of post-apocalypse although they're in Australia. So, I, you know, my kind of idea or thought <laughs> on this film is that pretty much everywhere else has really experienced the really nasty part of the apocalypse, and it's just kind of finding its way to uh, Australia where this is taking place. Uh, but, I mean, to that being said, yes, there there's a lot of people missing who I, I, I'm pretty sure are, are probably you know, we're living in that area at that yeah. time when the movie was made. So, uh, you know, there's there's plenty of indigenous, et cetera, mm -hmm. people in Australia, as well as I'm, I'm sure there were, you know, a, a lot more uh, women and, and, you know, elderly people as well. Yeah, I think I counted 12 women in this movie out of the dozens of characters. And yeah. that's a minority of the population. And I think only five of them had lines. Yeah, I think you're right. I believe the singer had the most amount of words coming out of her mouth compared to the other women, too. Right, but she didn't have any lines outside of the song that she sang. Mm, so does that count or does that not? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they, she definitely um, is with Goose the next morning. Um, so she was there and could have said something. Oh, I missed that. Yes, yes. Silly Goose. But the overall lack of women reminded me of the demographics at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in South Dakota. <laughs> Although I've, it's slowly changing, it's slowly yeah, developing. I've only been there a few times, and that's and in the recent years. And I've gone to help you lug around photo equipment when you're working. But since mm -hmm. you have been photographing the event for more than a decade, Aaron. How did the population in Mad Max compare to your experiences? Well, I mean, it definitely, I mean, yeah, I, depending on how and where you're looking at, but I would definitely have to say it's uh, more similar to when I first started going out there, mm -hmm. um, though I have found that there's been, you know, a, 
in the last few years. A, a really impressive uh, increase of uh, women's groups in motorcycle actually taking a presence out there, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah. And would you mind explaining a little bit more about your experiences as a photographer out at Sturgis? Uh, well, I do and have done uh, documentation and other work for uh, the Sturgis Buffalo Chip, which is mm -hmm. uh, like the biggest concert and camping venue out there. It's it's uh, you know the 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 best party anywhere, as they like to say. Isn't that their <laughs> trademark logo? Are you required to say that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, it's 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 you know just always interesting to see the the different you know, demographics and, you know, definitely during the pandemic, certain political groups that I, I'm not too keen with mm -hmm. uh, uh, probably had a stronger presence, but I think that's turning back again, hopefully. Um, well, the first <laughs> one I assisted you at was the 2020 rally, correct? Mm -hmm. I think and so. And the population in the Buffalo chip itself felt very Mad Maxian to me, mm -hmm. where it was a lot of men cosplaying as bikers and there wasn't a ton of diversity in the main part but there's the offshoot the camp zero correct yeah yeah which has a lot more fun and quite a bit more diverse and you've managed to create some amazing photographs of the shenanigans happening over there <laughs> yes many many fun shenanigans do you have some of these photos up in your portfolio on your website yeah yep yep you can see them intermixed with some of the the general areas of uh, my website portfolio, but then also within uh, projects on my website, there's a, a specific uh, Sturgis gallery to uh, to check out. And the lengths you go to creating these epic photographs make me a little nervous sometimes. <laughs> I, I mean, not only are you really close to bikes just whooshing past you and multiple rides and everything but sometimes um <laughs> my understanding is you hang off of motorcycles while doing photography. well they, yeah, i kind of have sat on them backwards mm -hmm. on the, the back end uh, during different to get specific kinds of photographs and such and the photos are great but as your spouse whoa <laughs> Yes. Well, you know, things that my, my safety equipment usage uh, increased quite a bit uh, oh, yes. under, under your amazing influence. <laughs> yes. So maybe I should just say, hey, guys, uh, hire Aaron for your next headshot so we can make sure he has good safety gear the next time he chooses to hang off the back of a motorcycle <laughs> while he himself is backwards. <laughs> yes, yes. I like that idea. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and with uh, the photography that you do out there, um, you also participated in the art ex exhibition they had this last year, the motorcycles as art, correct? Yes. Yes. Um, you know, th that was uh, a project for many years was um, 
basically curated and and run by the photographer Michael Lichter, who's mm -hmm. just been in the motorcycle industry um, for quite a while, and uh, is just has epic work. Uh, but he kind of he retired from that um, this past year, and uh, a few other people uh, came in. And they kind of separated the art side and the motorcycle side between mm -hmm. different people. And our friend uh, Savannah Rose uh, took over the art side and um, invited me in, and as well as some other people. So that was really nice. Uh, a chance to to have some work up there and and uh you know mingle and uh schmooze with those guys it's great yes. it's always well, fun what's fun or funny is they would have all of your photos for all their promotion for the buffalo chip like on the big led screens and everything and then you'd have the same image inside in like the fine art gallery mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> is that weird to see your artwork used uh, like that? No, no. I mean, that's a very much, you know, a lot of my, you know, directive and past has been in the the advertising and marketing world. So mm -hmm. that's where a, a great deal of my work ends up going and, and being used. But it's nice to be able to share it in more of the traditional printed, mm -hmm. untainted by by advertising uh kind of display you need to be careful your mfa is showing oh no not my MFA. <laughs> now like at sturgis there's a huge pants shortage for the women in the mad max world <laughs> and yes when i watch movies through my contemporary lens it's difficult not to notice costumes that appeal appease the male gaze and i'm referring to the concept of the male gaze spelled g-a-z-e that is tied to the visual arts yes i'm pretty sure most people first learn about this in john berger's ways of seeing uh yes yes and and it's sadly a very foreign concept for most people outside of um those realms of yeah. academia um and it, it tends to throw them off um and, and make them feel uh, threatened a little bit when it's really just just a philosophical conversation in a mm -hmm. sense this often means art is created by cishet men for the enjoyment of cishet men and they often objectify women's bodies in the process Yes, and it's been like that for a long time. Oh, um, yeah. that's goes back to the 1970s when Mad Max was made and when Berger wrote Ways of Seeing. It goes mm -hmm. back through the history of visual art. If you look at any movement from Impressionism and you go further back in time through Baroque, through Renaissance, and it's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. I mean, it is with the the development and and strength of the patriarchal type of uh, systems that we mm -hmm. run under. Those uh, ideas and ideals uh, pretty much uh, were the only ones allowed. Mm -hmm. One way we've been pushing back against this stereotypical depiction of women as pantsless or absent is our annual Thunder Domesticity Art Exhibition. And mm -hmm. I had mentioned earlier that we started this with a show called Thunder Domesticity, Femininity in the Post-Apocalypse. And it was a small group show that was really cool. But yes. 
in 2023, I opened up the show for public submissions and curated a large group exhibition called Thunder Domesticity Damsels versus Distress with about mm -hmm. 50 amazing artists from across the United States. Yeah, that was a fantastic show. We had so much phenomenal artwork that was feminist, post-apocalyptic, everything in between. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in 2024, I'm going to organize another Thunder Domesticity show. And this exhibition will be called The F Word. The F Word? Can you guess what the F Word means? Uh, I'm going to guess uh, feminism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, around here, feminism seems like a swear word. Yeah, it's really moronic anyways and it well it's wild because it's just the radical notion that women are people yeah, that everyone are people <laughs> yes people are people what an amazing innovative concept i know i know it's so so radical and i'm really excited about this next show which will actually be displayed on the exterior of your studio Yes, it will. <laughs> On the north wall of Seven Center in Vermilion, South Dakota. Yeah, it will be amazing. And I really can't wait to see what people submit. And if any of our wonderful friends who are listening right now want to participate, submissions for the F word are due April 12th, 2024. April 12th, 2024. <laughs> I should have you do all the commercials. <laughs> <laughs> All the details for this exhibition are on my site, clairelockhart.com, under the events tab. It's free to enter. We do this show because we want to highlight and promote women, non-binary people, feminism in general, uplift everyone. Mm -hmm. And so we make it very accessible. But I want to mention that selected artists who get juried into the show will pay a printing fee and we keep it as small as possible because well i kind of know the person who does all the professional printing for this mm, yeah gee i wonder who that is oh yeah. wait we have a printer in house right here yeah. yes I guess yeah your day me. job is printing <laughs> yes yes but then you know you should you should explain on how uh once we have created those prints how they are displayed oh on the exterior of the building yeah so we decided to do prints so that way people don't have to send their original artwork and deal with insurance and shipping oh my gosh costs so much so they pay a printing fee you do all this phenomenal printing cheaper than we could get it on anywhere else and it looks so good but then i take these archival pigment professional prints and I wheat paste them to the side of the building. <laughs> <laughs> and last year, the show was in March. And oh my goodness, it was cold. We had to literally chisel ice. We borrowed someone's pressure washer with hot water to try and break up some of the ice. Yes, <laughs> yes. We just, they, yeah, the guys who were like cleaning the, uh, the air. Door. Yeah, for the, like the kitchen or whatever, mm -hmm. we're steam cleaning stuff. We're like, hey, you want to borrow with it? Yeah, it was fantastic. Oh, it saved us hours of work. But yes. we're chiseling ice to get the exhibition up. And I have found that my wheat paste technique will survive the 
120 degree temperatures we have in the summer, the freezing temperatures we have in the, the spring, <laughs> yeah. and the snow, the thunderstorms. And with the wheat paste process, it adds this extra texture to it and makes everything look even more dystopian. Mm, and yes. it degrades over time. We have a wonderful reception where we have artists coming in from all the surrounding states. We have had people drive over five hours to come here and be part of this exhibition and hang out and meet the other artists. And once again, anyone who's listening, I really hope that if you make art, the weirder, the better, the more absurd, the better. And send yes. it to me, but go to my website, <laughs> clairelockhart.com, go to the events tab, look up Thunder Domesticity, the F word. All of the submissions are due April 12th. The details are there, but the exhibition opens May 31st, 2024. May 31st, 2024. I'm saying that in case anyone's <laughs> listening to this in the future. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, this should, well, I mean, you just got to say, I mean, the, the show itself is is somewhat of a, you know, an art piece mm -hmm. in itself, uh, in that it is this, this ephemeral installation um, that, you know, gets, you know, basically destroyed by nature and sometimes by passersby at late at night. You never well, know. Somebody tries this. We haven't had too much vandalism before. No. Usually what happens is people with a lot of really bright lipstick will kiss the artwork oh, yes. they like the best. Yes, we have which had that is happen. wild. <laughs> oh, oh, I totally forgot. But you host all of the artwork in an online exhibition too. Yes, yes. So we we keep uh, a record of the show uh, in a gallery on the PackardGroupLLC.com website. Is that just PackardGroupLLC.com? Yes, PackardGroupLLC.com. Okay. And we have last year's show up in case anyone is curious on if their work is suitable for it. But really, if you're my friend, you know the curator. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. But I want to mention the date of the exhibition opening again is May 31st, 2024. And in case May anyone... 31st, 2024. <laughs> and in case you're listening to this far enough in the future, but not so far that I'm no longer curating exhibitions or I'm dead, but <laughs> check, no. my, check my website in the events tab because there might be a different show to enter if this date has already passed. I love hosting these group exhibitions and promoting other artists. Yes. I don't have a smooth transition out of this. Do you have one? Um, <laughs> no. No. Um, so we're going to go to the Maynatometer next? Yes, or... we'll, we'll talk about okay. the Maynatometer next. I just want to make sure that we were done talking about I think Mad we're good. Max yes. overall. Yes, yes, I think we're good. And all the, the little pleather pants. Yes. <laughs> so the Maynatometer is our feminist rating system that evaluates dystopian media on a scale of zero to five skulls. Maynads were the ancient Greek followers of Dionysus who abandoned their responsibilities to run off and drink wine in the woods, and they occasionally ripped their oppressors apart with their bare hands. So <laughs> <laughs> Life goals, right? Oh, yeah. So a higher skull rating means the movie included women and people of other marginalized genders, and they were treated well. The evaluation will be based on the representation and dignity of women. We'll consider the amount of women included, if they are central to the work, 
and how they are presented visually. Mm -hmm. If you don't mind, I'll share my rating first. Go for it. So on a scale of zero to five skulls, I will give Mad Max from 1979 one skull. Yeah, I that's that's kind of where I was going <laughs> at maximum. I mean, I wasn't at sure. At mad I was gonna, maximum. Mad maximum. Uh, you know, I wasn't sure whether it would just be uh, a a you know fraction of mm. of one, but uh, but I'll, yeah, one would be the top that this I'll, one would get. I'll let you decide um, what your final definitive score will be. I'll explain that I'm giving this movie one skull because. Not every single woman in this film was assaulted, murdered, or nude, which is an incredibly low bar to clear. And it's a little sad that I feel obligated to give this movie credit for that. <laughs> mm -hmm. There just weren't enough women to brutalize or objectify overall. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. And, uh, you know, the, the only uh, disturbing you know, awful thing that I could say was the um, sort of uh, the equal um, amount of assault kind of both to male and female, you yeah, might say. But there were fewer women, so a higher percentage of them got assaulted. Right. It's that kind of like true. how that very true. there was at least one nude man in the movie, but yes, there were multiple nude women and yes. Max's wife just... Ugh, there was no pants budget for her. No, there wasn't. And there was a huge lack of diversity in the cast mm -hmm. overall. But mm -hmm. at least one of the women was in her 60s and she did play an important part. So my score is not going to be just a complete zero. I have seen worse movies in the treatment. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So at least some of the women had clothes and there was one woman who was older than me and she had a gun so i'm officially giving mad max one skull aaron how would you rate this movie on a scale of zero to five skulls based on how women were represented and treated well i like i said i think uh you know one is the maximum i could give it definitely uh i was contemplating giving it like a, a three quarter or half um for a lot of those same points that that you stated um, it's, uh, you know, it's, you know, pretty much the women within it are only sort of plot vehicles for the male characters, yeah. um, in that, uh, you know, that they get killed and then it's revenge. So it's, you know, it's, it's the, the wife wasn't killed right at the beginning of the movie. I know so, that's so she wasn't fringed right away. <laughs> yeah. They didn't uh, do that but, at the start. <laughs> so I guess there's that, you know, that, mm -hmm. that helps to give it a one, mm -hmm. I suppose. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's just, uh, but you know, for, for also, you got to say for 1979, yeah, yeah. probably and, kind of on par. And this isn't a rating on if we like the movie or not, this is. Oh no, I'll definitely watch it again. Probably <laughs> multiple times. I'm sure. This is just specifically based off of how it treats women in particular. And of course, they're going to watch Mad Max again. I mean, we host an annual art show called Thunder Domesticity. We're riffing yes. off of Thunderdome specifically. <laughs> Absolutely. We have not started going to, uh, 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 what is that, diesel punk festivals mm -hmm. yet, but, uh, you know, Ooh, we'll see. I've, I've had people on Instagram send me messages and ask if we're there. 
Mm. Maybe we need some sponsorships. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, I would also like to share Mad Max's rating from the amazing people at the unaccredited College of Clare. You know, ah. my totally real art school and not my academia themed Patreon account. But <laughs> for each work we cover on this program, my friends at Patreon have a chance to rate it on the Maynadometer too. After they vote, I average out the score. If any of you great people listening want to place your vote for the next episode, go to patreon.com slash Claire Lockhart, and you'll be able to see how you can vote on upcoming episodes because I'd love for you to contribute. For Mad Max, my wonderful patrons at the unaccredited College of Claire gave this movie an overall score of 2.4 skulls. Wow, 2.4. Wow. And it's great that we have differing opinions and we're able to discuss it because that's one of the fun things about watching dystopian media is to be able to have these snarky and sometimes serious conversations with our friends. Yes, absolutely. And that, I mean, and these conversations can be very fun to have. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've enjoyed this conversation. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for discussing Mad Max with me on the very first episode of this program. You are welcome, my dear. Oh, you are amazing. And I'm not just saying that because I'm married to you and I love you. Yes, yes, we are <laughs> married. Hence my use of the my dear. I would not say that with anybody else. Well, <laughs> you'd have to report yourself to your HR department. Yes. Who is me? Uh, or it's me. I mean, <laughs> it depends. You, we'll you, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but Aaron, before you go. I want to shamelessly promote your amazing artwork. Oh, our, thank you. Our awesome friends listening can see Aaron's photography on his website, aaronpackard.com. You can also find him on LinkedIn and Facebook, but I want to guide people to your Instagram account, which is Aaron C. Packard, spelled A-A-R-O-N-C, as in camera, P-A-C-K-A-R-D. <laughs> yes, yes oh no whoever's writing your wikipedia biography page what if they say the c stands for camera no gosh that would be awful <laughs> but they that, can that really cite would be this. awful yes yes <laughs> please anyway. don't do that <laughs> okay uh just and if you by accident happen to put in aaroncpacker.com you'll still get to my website Okay, thank you. And <laughs> I also want to remain, remind all you wonderful people listening to stick around for the end of the show when I will announce the recipient of the Honorary Doctor of Dystopian Studies degree from the unaccredited College of Clare. <laughs> but thank you again for discussing Mad Max with me. Awesome, Aaron. Thank you, Amazing Claire. <laughs> but you have the alliteration, so I win. Fine. Fine. I win this round. Thank you Fine. so much. You're wonderful. And I appreciate being able to discuss this movie with you. Thank you. I appreciate being here. This program is part of the Department of Dystopian Studies at the unaccredited College of Clare. If you thought that this podcast is really just an advertisement for my academia theme Patreon account, you're right. Because I created UCK, I get to bestow honorary degrees upon my favorite people. Today, I am happy to announce the current recipient of the Honorary Doctor of Dystopian Studies degree, Sonia Hernandez Packard. 
Sonia is a wonderful jewelry maker. The earrings she creates out of shell casings are to die for. Metaphorically, anyway. If you haven't bought jewelry from Sonia at a farmer's market, you might catch her bowling or singing karaoke. You can also find her on Instagram at Sonia Elaine. That's spelled S-O-N-I-A-E-L-A-I-N-E. -E. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sonia Hernandez-Packard. Woo! Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day to join me. Yeah, no problem. I was happy to hear that you're doing a podcast and I figured why not? Oh, I'm so pleased that you're here. And I have to confess, I've been lightly stalking you on Instagram to see the wonderful <laughs> jewelry you've been creating. Oh, and that's great. <laughs> and the last time we chatted, you were telling me about the materials you use when making your earrings. Yeah. So I really like to use a lot of like found things or um, repurposed items. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that comes from like thrift stores and things like that. And uh, I just find it easier to sort of work within those parameters for some reason. It's so easy to go to a bead store and just look through all the things that they have and they're just duplicates of a lot of the same things which is fine there's nothing yeah. wrong with creating that way but um i i really like to go and find unique things that it would be it makes it a lot more one of a kind since the supplies are limited on those things and then i also have um i have a an autoimmune disorder which they mm -hmm. actually don't really know much about it but i do know that it causes sensitivity to my skin and so i do use um like hypoallergenic or like um uh, silver, silver plated and gold plated ear wires for my earrings. And that's what that way everybody can wear them. That's really great that you're thinking about that inclusiveness with the jewelry that you're making. You almost have me convinced that I need to get my ears pierced so I can wear some. Yeah, you should. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with the jewelry that you're making with like the bullet pieces seem very appropriate for the post-apocalypse. Well, if you want to get crafty in the post-apocalypse, <laughs> you can use empty shell casings and they work for lots of things. I, I think if you want to get really creative, I think that you probably have a lot of time on your hands. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, <laughs> I don't actually shoot guns. I've never really shot one in my entire life, but um, I'm Yankton Sioux and part of some of the things that, that we make as indigenous people are like things that we've encountered throughout mm -hmm. history um so things that we wouldn't necessarily use we utilize them in our arts like like shell casings and that's one of those things that people use in necklaces or you know things like jewelry and things like that so i like to incorporate that into what i make as well that's so cool to learn more about your process and yeah i've never been around guns before i have some nerf but that's about it <laughs> yeah i think i shot a bb gun one time but that was that was it for me. I did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sonia, I'm thrilled that you could join me. Now, instead of making you give a boring acceptance speech, I'm going to ask you five quick questions so our fabulous listeners can get to know you. Okay. And I'm not going to ask you if you're ready because that would count as one of the questions. But if you're good to go, I'll get started. I am good to go. First of all, what is one of your favorite post-apocalyptic movies um 
one of my favorite post-apocalyptic movies, and I do watch quite a few of them. <laughs> uh, I love sci-fi, um, and they tend to be tend to be a little bit more sci-fi. But The Matrix is one of them, and I know that's mm-hmm. probably like a very common answer for that. But I just feel like it's one of those movies that you can watch again and again, and it's just sort of timeless. You. It, it's always like just as good I feel like and that was created by Andy and um, I think it's Lana Wachowski um, and I'm not sure if that's that those are the names still I think one of them might have changed their name but I can't remember but the yeah, Wachowski I just really like that movie <laughs> the, yes that's right yeah yep you're probably right oh that's um, but yeah so the matrix oh very cool if the apocalypse strikes and we wind up together in the same doomsday community What skills do you have that will make everyone else wish they were lucky enough to have you on their team? See, I find this one hard to answer. My sister and I, we've talked about this before, just because we (laughs) have always said that I'm very resourceful um, and I'm good at problem solving and like finding patches and workarounds for things. So it's sort of like, sort of like kind of what I do, not (laughs) to obviously (laughs) join back into my into my jewelry making but it is a lot of like when you you're sort of just given something or a situation and then you kind of figure out how to deal with it and I think I'm really good in those sorts of scenarios when I'm given a problem and I'm asked to solve it yeah so I can't say specifically but I would say that I'm resourceful yeah and you're very good at creative problem solving right so next would you rather fight one Tyrannosaurus Rex the size of a goat or seven goat-sized Tyrannosaurus Rexes? Okay. <laughs> it's a very I serious have to question. that again for me. <laughs> I have to repeat that. Would you rather fight one Tyrannosaurus Rex the size of a goat or fight seven goat-sized T-Rexes? I think it would be the one. You know, I think I, I would rather just to fight anything. One one goat sized something would be a lot easier than seven. <laughs> you befriend it and now it's your pet, hangs out with your cat. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. It'll just add to my collection of cats. In what ways are you ready for the collapse of society? Um, In what ways am I ready for the collapse of society? Wow. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I guess. Growing up resourceful, meaning we didn't have a whole lot mm-hmm. when we were gro- when I was growing up. And so that makes you, it does make you have to think about things in a, in a completely different way. Um, so I'd say, you know, my mom's a star quilter and we, le- I learned how to hand sew at like a young age. So I yeah. think I could probably sew something. I think that could be useful in the post-apocalypse or the collapse oh. of society. I really hope so because <laughs> oh, that's yeah. a one specific thing I know that I can do that might be useful. That and I be... know a little about a lot of things. Like uh, I'm a hypochondriac a lot. So <laughs> I kind of know uh, a little bit about, I don't know, like health problems or if you were to maybe give mm-hmm. me like some symptoms, maybe I could try to like deduce what they might be, what it might be. So yeah, I know a little about a lot. When we don't have WebMD in the future, we'll just come visit you. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Finally, what words of encouragement do you have for those of us who feel like we're always in the midst of an existential crisis as the world is ending? Um, so I think that humans are very resilient creatures i personally think 
I, I don't know. Sometimes things can feel hopeless even when it's not the post-apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And so we tend to feel like, well, what's what's the point of certain things? And I think really the point of it is to keep going. I, I kind of, and I'm not always a very hopeful person, but I always think things are going to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's sort of what I would tell. That's that's what I would say is that we have to keep working and keep striving and keep working towards, I don't know, um, something hopefully on the horizon. Um, and that, you know, even just trying means you can probably have some meaningful contribution to society in our post-apocalyptic future <laughs> and that anybody can do it. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Sonia Hernandez-Packard. I'm a doctor. <laughs> you are a doctor. I'm Yay. so thrilled I get to spend some time with you and I'm happy to share your answers. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me, Claire. I really appreciate all the work that you do. Um, you seem to be very busy and I think I really admire that about you. So um, thank you for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Well, it's great to hear from you and I'm not very good at ending conversations. I tend to Midwest goodbye people. So I'm going to say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Femininity in the Post-Apocalypse was created and edited by me, Claire Lockhart. Join me at clairelockhart.com, spelled K-L-A-I-R-E-L-O-C-K, H-E-A-R-T dot com, and you can find the call for artists under the events tab on my site. Thanks to Aaron C. Packard of Aaron C. Packard Productions for providing the voiceover work and my recording equipment. Find him at AaronPackard.com. That's A-A-R-O-N-P-A-C-K-A-R-D dot com. Thank you for listening, you awesome people. Please help this show for free by sharing this program, subscribing, or writing positive reviews in order to appease the malevolent algorithm gods. I hope you'll be back for the next episode, same Claire time, same Claire channel.